Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show number 20, recorded the 29th of February 2012. This interview is with my old friend Mike Gotine, Senior Project Manager at UsableNet, the leading mobile and multi-channel platform company serving 25% of Fortune 1000 companies. With offices in the UK, Italy and across the United States, UsableNet is in the sweet spot in terms of business models, helping companies to make their sites mobile and multi-channel. Aside from the fun of catching up with Mike, we now share some common professional grounds. If you're interested in m-commerce, mobile apps, and mobility in general, I'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, and I'm author of the blog, themindset.com. That's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. So let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. So, welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show. It's been a while, but I've, I'm going to save this one up for you. Uh, today, my guest is piped in from New York City, and it's a lo- he's a longtime friend of mine who I've had to know or got to know on the tennis court uh, around talking about music. I'd like to say I know more about his cooking because he's a great chef. We can uh, parlay in many languages in common uh, because Mike is someone who's bo- who was born in Rome, and does I would say uh, the German circuit very well, and also had some spent some time in in Japan, if I remember well, Mike. So uh, Mike Gotine is a uh, a guy who's I would say at the cutting edge of what everything's going on in digital, and specifically with going on in. In, in the mobile space, and recently joined a very interesting company called UsableNet. Uh, UsableNet is exactly what it says. It allows people on the net to make things usable. So, Mike, that is my introduction. It's a great pleasure to have you on board. Tell us a little bit more about what who you are and what you're doing at Usable. Hey, yes. Good morning, Mentor. It's a great pleasure for me to join you on this uh, morning's call. And, uh, yeah, I'm the Senior Project Manager at UsableNet, and I deal with a number of uh, luxury brands. And basically the main thrust of what we do is to mobile-enable websites for multi-channel retailers um, in luxury, in travel, um, finance, and uh, we allow their sites to become usable, as it were, from pretty much any device. You guys are clearly, obviously, on your site, you talk about 25% of the Fortune 1000 companies. You guys have an office in Italy, in England, LA, so you guys are happening. And the thing that, you know, I'm confronted with on a regular basis with my clients is, well, how do we manage all these different platforms, you know, BlackBerry, Android, Apple, iPad, and there's always this notion, well, should we go with a mobile app or should we go with a, a web app? Talk to us. Talk us about what is the value added that you guys usable do, and how that why it's so interesting. Yes, I, I think that a user's first consideration would be to fire up their browser on whatever device they're on and go to whatever site they want to go to. For example, if you go to Amtrak.com or if you go to AA.com for American Airlines, these that would be your first inclination. And our challenge is then to give you the best view of that site on your device. And we do specifically sense each device and send down the best version possible for that device. So what you were telling me before we got on, on live, you were telling me about the, the, uh, the, 
how the company was born and and how you enabled how you were able to view the site on multiple app, multiple platforms so in terms of development you see everything ahead of time which allows you to customize the the look and feel and the functionality today with all these different devices what you guys are are providing is an ability in sort of in one fail swoop to to be viewable in the best way on all the different devices is that a fair statement yes that definitely is and again it comes back to the 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 client expectation of wanting to see that site and see it be represented as well as possible uh I, the other option is always to do a specific app for that device, an Android app, uh, an iPhone app, and so on and so forth. But it really comes down to in terms of efficiency and speed and uh, functionality. Um, somebody just wants to fire up their browser, open up the site, and they want to see something they can interact with. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking with your clients, who are, some of them are upscale, is there more of a propensity to try and do their own app or are they comfortable just working on a, uh, a mobile-friendly web-based uh, version? I don't think it's an either-or. I think it's a, it always has to be a multi-channel strategy, and it's our goal to try and help them in whatever channel they want to reach out through. It's also user preference as well. So there are users who would want to prefer to download an app and have that as their metaphor. And, um, you know, so again... We're just there to enable uh, and work with client strategy. Again, we find that the simplest and fastest approach is doing mobile web, but we're, we're capable of doing tablet-enabled apps. We can port uh, the site that they have and make it also viewable through Facebook. We've just launched uh, a Facebook app for uh, Best Western. But for Best Western, you said? We do Yes. So we can do a, uh, a number of things and really extend to many different screens. So compare, let's say, you know, you guys are obviously doing, you know, tearing it up. And what is it that's making usable.net so good? What, what are the, what's the value add to usable.net's uh, service? I, I think there are um, a few things in the technology that uh, give it an advantage in that we're leveraging the parent site that, you know, given that the site is, is working functional and has great functionality, we can bring that functionality into the smaller screens, into all the different screens. We require no client IT resources. We can go ahead and develop our, our, uh, the mobile site without putting a burden on uh, internal resources. So for clients that are strapped in that regard, and are overextended in terms of IT resources, we can be seen as quite a godsend because we can extend them into the hottest realm of uh, mobile web and not put their internal resources under great strain. Hmm. Like that. That's got to speak to some people. Then uh, it's, you've, you, you see a lot of clients and you've been working on a lot of different applications. What are some of the things, the best practices that you've observed amongst the clients that would be hot and interesting for other, other brands to be looking at? Yeah, I mean, specifically in mobile, um, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, it's really essential for clients to have a mobile-enabled site. A lot, of, uh, a lot of companies still don't do that. They have the full site that they're sending to mobile devices, and users have to pinch and zoom to see things. Mm-hmm. Um, the iPhone makes that possible. Uh, so does uh, Android to a great degree. 
it's just not a, a great user experience. So obviously you need to have that mobile enabled app. And then when you have a mobile enabled experience, you need to carefully think through the interface. It's not a question of making things smaller. Oftentimes it's a question of making things quite bigger, large buttons that people can easily interact with, easily click, uh, forms that they can easily get to and fill out. And the last, and I would say probably one of the key things also is, is to have the site be quick loading. On a mobile device, you're not always on Wi-Fi. Sometimes you're on 3G, occasionally on 4G. Wherever you are, you really need to have a site that is going to load very, very quickly because people have zero patience. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still sort of struggling in 2G over here sometimes. And so what, in essence, what, what that means you have to reduce the number of texts, the number of links, the number of photos that need to load, and videos, right? That's, that's how that happens? Yes, I mean, that's a great part of it, but you can't sacrifice everything. Uh, you do need to, to provide some content. And then with that in mind, you need to have an efficient and effective uh, server strategy and architecture. All right, so talk us about the the new Facebook application you're doing. What, what exactly does that look like? Yeah, it's uh, there are a number of different apps available <laughs> through Facebook. It's a very vital and vibrant development culture, and uh, you can do all kinds of amazing things. You can play games, uh, which are pre- predominantly Flash-based, but uh, we also offer this option to port um, user sites to uh, as Facebook apps so people can interact and purchase. Um, Aeropostal is a brand that has a Facebook app. It's quite effective. Uh, they enjoy, uh, as I mentioned, Best Western. Uh, and a number of other clients are also uh, looking to bring a social element. So once you're inside the frame of Facebook, then you can keep other interactions going and actually bring your circle into the experience of interacting with that app. That's very cool. Uh, so when you were saying a lot of sites still aren't mobile-friendly, do you have any numbers on on how that works in the States? I mean, are we talking 5% of sites are now mobile-friendly, or do you have any idea? Uh, I would say it may be a little better than that, but still way, way, way below where it needs to be. I would say it could be anywhere from <clears throat> 80 to 90% of sites are not mobile enabled. Hmm. So there's a long way to go. Yeah. Most of the, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that's a lot of good business ahead for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what about um, e-commerce? You work with sites on uh, creating uh, mobile commerce? Yes, that is actually my particular focus at UsableNet. Uh, I've been working in e-commerce and e-retail with multi-channel retailers for a number of years. And uh, it is definitely my focus at UsableNet. We work with some very large very prestigious um, fashion and uh, multi-channel retailers. And um, we definitely work to mobile-enable the cart process. So the whole flow of the user from searching for a product, getting to a product, viewing the details, being motivated to purchase, adding to your cart and then checking out, that all has to be completely rethought from a user experience perspective to motivate that sale. And um, again, it's by eliminating the distractions and focusing purely on what will lead to conversion. So when you're small in this, obviously in the small uh, screen. Yeah. So we're talking about small um, or at least (laughs) we're looking about numbers and without divulging any, you know, secret state state affairs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, do, do you have any indication as to how much of the commerce is actually happening on the mobile platform as opposed to on the, the, the website? Any of your clients? Um, I, you, you know, it's uh, a lot of people use mobile for research and then they will make the final purchase online or mm-hmm. even in store. Again, this comes back to working with multi-channel retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people, and these numbers are continually going up, um, a lot of people do make that final purchase. And we have, um, without naming any specific numbers, we have clients that spend a certain amount with us and get many times a return based on what people are purchasing through the mobile platform. Hmm. So it, it always turns out to be a win. So when talking about the user experience, how, I mean, you are now so plugged, plugged into that. How do you manage to continue to keep the user experience at the center of their preoccupations? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's, it's part of the fabric of what we do. Um, you know, we have a specific process of, of taking a client site and uh, working with it and creating a, an excellent mobile experience, um, something that, that is very easy on the eyes, very intuitive and very easy to work with. And we've been doing it now for so long, we have uh, a big lead in that regard. Um, and it's something we continue to refine on a regular basis. So it's just from, from the ground up, the company is focused on a positive experience um, in, in, in the small screen. Well, I can, I can imagine that, but I'm also imagining the conversation or at least the little thought inside the head of the, of the woman or man at the head of uh, your, your client saying, no, 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 but I want that. No, 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 but that's really important. And I know my logo needs to be big and, (laughs) and they have their, let's say prerogatives. And you're like, wait a second. We need to like uh, simplify here, limit that can't do everything. So that's sort of where I was going with that, you know, because there's the pain point. How do you manage that? I mean, it's not a secret. We have we go through a process where we isolate what from the parent site is going to make it into the mobile site. Then we do a set of wireframes, which creates a blueprint, and so you just extract all color and all you know basic design, and you basically talk about this blueprint format, so you understand the specific things that lead to conversion. Um, that the user will need are going to be there. And that's there at the wireframing level. And then we do user interface mockups. And a lot of time is spent there um, just to get things right and, and have the screens look good and have the things available and easily clickable for the user. So it's a process, and, and with, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of discussion. We find that a lot of clients tend to defer to us and uh, our experience in the space. Yes, occasionally there are situations where clients do want to have their logo be extra giant size, but you simply have to see it mocked up on the device and you get a pretty good idea fairly quickly that that then pushes valuable content below the fold. And uh, I think it becomes pretty obvious that that what constitutes something that's going to help you with conversion. And as I work in retail, really it is all about numbers. You know, yes, it's nice to have a mobile site, but unless you're actually – selling and actually converting users that's really the the benchmark so in terms of uh, configuring that i mean to what extent do you use consumer uh testing and or ab uh, versions for example 
Uh, you'd be surprised that at this point, I think it's something we did a lot earlier. Uh, we still occasionally do it. It's a client um, sort of focus, and occasionally they'll opt for it. But um, I, with the experience that we have in the space, we're pretty comfortable and have a pretty good idea of what's going to work. And that's you know developed in, in our practice and our, our experiences what sort of guides the client to to making the choices that are going to work best for the user. And, yeah, obviously it is a good idea from time to time to do a touch point with an actual user, but it's it's an evolving space, And uh, but we feel we're in a good position to make the proper recommendations. <laughs> Get it. Well, the experience uh, come uh, is a good thing. So um, let's look at, look at this year, 2012. We're the 29th of February. Uh, I guess it's a leap year. <laughs> and uh, 2012, 2013, what, what do you see as the big trends in this conversion into the mobile world? What, where do you see uh, the big needs, pain points, and trends? Yeah, I, I think a very important big trend, uh, which really should be here already, but uh, has been uh, infighting behind the major players behind the scenes, has been um, payment uh, options, uh, specifically NFC, near field communication. And uh, those, as soon as that gets worked out, I think that's going to be a tremendous explosion. Uh, you may not carry a wallet anymore. You can pretty much do everything from your mobile device. Uh, everything can be encrypted and secure, and you can have everything from loyalty cards to credit cards. Pretty much everything can be there. So, and you can. So yeah, you have you Square on the one hand, but Square is more in real life, right? Yes. Then uh, the PayPal announcement this morning, I was seeing that they have organized with um, a large, like a Home Depot, to be able to pay via mobile on, on or in PayPal. So there seems to be a, a fair amount of movement in that space, but there's not a lot of standardization. Is that the real problem? Yeah, and that's going to continue to happen in new t any new technology. There's going to be a splintering and various groups getting behind different um, standards, and those will eventually shake out. But I see this as a watershed year for uh, payments and payment methods. If you had to bet, would you? Uh, is there one standard you would say that's the one we need to go with? Uh, you know, I, I think there's better technology and worse technology, but. Um, uh, going all the way back to VHS and beta, the better technology doesn't always win. So we'll just have to stand in the sidelines and see what's happening. So you'll still have to take out your credit card and enter in your number uh, by hand for now. For now. And so, since, Mike, you know uh, so well Italy, uh, Germany, Europe in general, compared to the North American market, do you, what do you see in terms of differences in the way things are moving uh, in your space? In... Um, in mobile, take it, take it in the mobile world, particularly m-commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I know that uh, in the time I lived in Japan, the internet, and we're talking about in the uh, 90s, uh, the internet was always considered something you did on your phone. It was never something you did from your home computer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think comically that's kind of coming to pass for the rest of the world. So by and large, Asia will always lead to charge. Um, and it's continuing to more and more be as such. Um, I think uh, as increased smartphone adoption goes ahead through most of Europe and people 
leave their old phones and go to newer and more full-featured phones, I think that um, you'll see them adopting more of that kind of approach. But it's very cultural at this point, and I think that uh, use is, is still very different. Um, I think the newer phones make it easier to uh, text message and SMS, so I think people will increase in that use. Um, and I think mobile commerce will become more... Uh, sort of a greater need and, and more important in Europe. But I still see Asia and uh, the U.S. as leading the charge mm-hmm. uh, in mobile commerce for sure. Yeah, when, when you think you know, to, to the notions of the different cultures and, and the different phases of development, you know, I think of uh, your Italian friends, you know, the Mubellini, how they were you know, so interested in that, but they haven't necessarily converted into the M-commerce. And then you have other countries maybe Eastern Europe where the so the penetration on the desktop might be or in Africa was a little slower and it might just come just immediately somersault or leapfrog into mobile in some cases. Whereas in the Western world typically we've sort of had to go through the migration from thinking desktop into into the mobile world. Yes, that's that's a very good assessment and great analysis, and that's really coming to pass right now. Uh-huh. Cool. All right, so Mike, you are a man on the go, and and knowing these things, I'd love to hear from you a couple of your favorite apps, things that you like to turn us on to. Um, yeah, uh, something I use uh, constantly. There's probably four that I could point to. The most important. Go for it. Um, uh, for news. Um, I use something called Pulse. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Pulse is an excellent app. You can c- collect any uh, information from any site. They offer a number of uh, sources, but pretty much any site that has uh, regular updated information and publishes an RSS feed, you can capture that feed and read it on the go and uh, really just accumulate pages and pages of information. And it's very easy to read. It formats beautifully, and there's also social interaction built in. So, excellent app, Pulse. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evernote is something I find incredibly useful for organizing personal and business. I have different notebooks and uh, synchro- synchronized across all devices. Uh, absolutely excellent, excellent device. And uh, it's one of those devices that is not, uh, it has a freemium model, but it's not hobbled in the free model. You can pretty much use it in its free form and mm-hmm. sync it across all your devices and get a great deal of benefit from it. Uh, but that is even increased when you just step up and pay the uh, relatively modest um, premium fee. Mm-hmm. Evernote, uh, To-Do is another To-Do app I find very helpful in uh, pulling out things that need to be done on a regular basis, scheduling them, and then checking them off. And again, it works great across iPhone, iPad, and desktop. And that's To-Do, um, that's T-O-O-D-O-O, is that the one? It's actually T-O-D-O. Oh, T-O-D-O, and, okay. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, you can get that at appigo, mm-hmm. A-P-P-I-G-O.com. Mm-hmm. Got uh, it. It's a great, uh, great shop, make great apps, so very interesting user interfaces, and hmm. uh, great so- apps. Sounds and, like you got company in the background. <laughs> yeah, somebody's uh, just woken up. And, Beautiful. Uh, Say hello to Lexi. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, Mike, uh, I, yes. I need, oh, I'm sure you, you have things to do. It's, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, your time, um, yes. and including taking care of Lexi. Uh, how can anyone reach you and read about you? Cause you have a number of, uh, blogs. Tell us about your, uh, how to reach you anyway. Uh, best place to reach me would be at, uh, 
michaelgoitein.com. Beautiful. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-O-I-T-E-I-N.com. All right, sweet. Well, I know you also you have your blog, uh, blog at uh, bloggydrink.com, yes. which I'll, I'm yes. going to happy to post. And uh, last word for you, at the iPad 3, is it a go? Are you going to take it? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I choose my... Um, I plant my flag at a certain point in a version with uh, Apple, and I stay with that version for uh, a couple of years. So I've just recently purchased, uh, relatively recently in last June, I got an iPad 2 uh, from which I am speaking to you right now, and I find it an excellent device. And uh, I am going to stay right now with the iPad 2. Uh, I think the iPhone, iPad 3 is going to be very exciting, and we'll, we'll look forward to seeing what that's all about. Uh, but uh, I'm sure it'll generate... A lot of interest, <laughs> and, and uh, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be great. Well, it, it, it's funny because um, I'm um, uh, thinking that it makes me think uh, of tennis rackets. You know, I buy tennis rackets and then I keep them for a few years, and then we go to the next one. And when you see two generations later, the difference really is is remarkable. So, anyway, is that is that a fair uh, kind of comparison? Yes, uh, I was on my iPhone 3GS for. Uh, the full cycle, and uh, I, I skipped the iPhone four. So yeah. I was—I uh, definitely was seeing that that phone was falling behind for me, and right. uh, yeah, I was a couple of cycles behind. So then you're good for the 4S now, Mike. Uh, listen, I'm enjoying it. Beautiful. Thanks for having you on the show. I'll uh, looking forward to catching up with you on another time when I come to New York. And uh, go to it. Attack your day. Okay, Major. Thanks for your time this morning, and uh, always great to speak. And look forward to seeing you here in New York. Soon. You bet. All right, my man. Take care. Bye. Take care. Be great. Bye. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Radio Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. T H E M Y N D S E T, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.